BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. So I was thinking about it today, and these episodes of the podcast are really interesting because they almost feel like a time capsule to me. So a little bit about my podcast process is that I batch record all of my interviews, take usually a one, one and a half month break, and then start the process over again. So this interview with Lindsay and Krista from the Almost 30 podcast was actually recorded the day before I went into my breast reduction surgery. And I remember waking up that day and I was nervous. I was in my feels. Obviously, it was like my first ever surgery that I've ever been into. And my energy was like, you know, like a little bit, I, I, I don't want to say off, but I was, I was feeling it, you know, guys. And I went into this interview and I remember like I told Krista and Lindsay, you know, I was having surgery the next day and they shifted my energy completely. So, you know, as you guys listen, Krista, Lindsay, I am so grateful for you and so grateful for the energy that you brought to the show that day. I really needed it. And I still remember how, you know, my mood shifted after I spoke to them. So conversations like that are so, so special. So if you don't know Lindsay and Krista, they are the ladies behind the Almost 30 podcast, which is consistently one of the top podcasts on Apple. It has been around forever. They are podcasting OGs and incredible interviewers. I've been on their podcast in the past. It was an absolute honor to do so. And they have so much depth to them. They're both very different, offer different perspectives. And we go all over the place during this interview. So we discuss everything from, you know, if you do want to start a podcast, what is that like? What is the life of a podcaster? Um, The whole process of getting a podcast started to, you know, bringing it to where it is today, which is clearly one of like the most successful podcasts that exist. 
we also discuss a really interesting topic, which is, you know, taking your business as an entrepreneur from a side hustle to um, a full-time gig and actually the benefits of having your full-time job for a while after you start your business. So I think that this take is really interesting and one that just isn't spoken about enough because we hear all these stories of people, you know, leaving their job to start their business. And perhaps that isn't always the right way to go for everyone. So it was really nice to chat with Lindsay and Krista and have them give a different perspective than maybe you, you've you heard in the past. So these girls are firecrackers full of incredible information and just really, really good energy. And I hope you love this conversation as much as I did. Um, it really was like one of those conversations that have gone down in my memory as like just so, so valuable. So I hope you guys feel the same way about it. Before we start the episode, I want to talk to you guys about this week's hot tip, which is suckers lollipops. Okay. So Suckers is essentially a better for you lollipop brand. And it was started by um, two of my friends, Tiana and Casey, both incredible, so creative. And I feel like this is like the next big thing in the candy confection sweets world. I feel like lollipops really have needed a whole rejig. And let me tell you, their products are delicious. Like I was blown away by how delicious both the flavors were. Actually, my mouth is genuinely like filling with saliva as I talk about this. So, you know, if you are looking for a cleaner lollipop treat, whatever, go check them out. You know, better for you ingredients, clean and have a lot of respect for the founders. So for sure, check them out. Really, really good. Highly recommend. All right. Now this week's review comes to us from Belle Montoya and she says, love, I stumbled upon the Dream Bigger podcast after hearing Sifat on Almost 30. Love them. Oh my God. What a crazy coincidence. What the hell? I never planned that I would be reading out this review. Anyway, sorry, tangent. So, um, sorry. Yes. She loved me after hearing me on the Almost 30 podcast and I immediately subscribed to this podcast. The episode on journaling inspired me to start up more intently and with purpose. I really just journaled occasionally and never with the kind of intentions I could actually apply and manifest for myself. After listening to the journal 101, it helped me start writing for my highest slash future self and has helped me with my mindset, thoughts, and intentions. I'm going to go and do a deep dive into all the other podcast episodes. Thank you so much for leaving this review. It means the world to me. And how crazy that you found me on the Almost 30 podcast when this is when I'm having them on. Like I stuff like this happens and it's very serendipitous and just crazy. So I really appreciate the review. I'm so happy you liked the journaling episode. And I love reviews like this because it tells me what you've appreciated from the show. Because again, like, you know, hearing from you guys helps me shape what this show becomes. It helps me bring you the kind of solo episodes that will resonate with you, the kind of guests who you love to hear from. So if you do have a second, please, please open up the Apple podcast app, scroll to the bottom where it says rate and review the show. If you feel like I deserved a five-star rating and I've brought you a lot of value, please leave me a five-star rating and leave me a review. Tell me what you love about the show, who you want to see on here, you know, your favorite episode topics that you're interested in. Tell me anything that you want me to know. It Again, it helps me shape the show and it helps get the show out to more people, which is always a good thing. So if you have a second, please, please do that. I'm always extremely grateful. With that, let's welcome Lindsay and Krista to the Dream Bigger podcast. 
So I actually want to start the interview off with asking you guys, what were you guys doing before Almost 30? Because you've been doing it for, like, you're one of the OGs in the space. And what was your life pre-Almost 30? Mm, Pre-Almost 30, let's see. So I was living in New York. Um, After college, I moved to New York and wanted to pursue my dream of being on Broadway. And Wow, I didn't know that. That mm -hmm. is so cool. Yeah. So I really wanted to be on Broadway and just get into acting and I was a singer and dancer and all these things. And so what I knew about becoming an actor or in that world was that you had to have like side gigs up the wazoo so you can support yourself while Mm -hmm. you're auditioning. So Mm -hmm. starting in college, I bartended. I was like, okay, let's start bartending. My dad was not too pleased, but it was a strategy because I was like, I need experience before I move to New York. And Mm -hmm. then when I moved to New York, I started working at like two or three different bars. Mm -hmm. I was able to support myself quite well, but I was, you know, just running myself into the ground and barely being able to audition during the day, but Mm -hmm. doing my best. So that was my life for a few years. And then, you know, it got to the point where the bar business was just so exhausting and just took so much from you, like more than just energy. It was like your soul. Yeah. It took your soul (laughs) a little bit. I hear that. Yeah. It It was a lot. And so I found this like random world of fit modeling and fit modeling isn't like what you think it is. It's literally like the non-glamorous side of modeling where you're trying on the clothes before Mm. they go out to stores and Mm -hmm. they measure them to your body or something. So I did that for a few years and that replaced my bartending. Right. So I was still able to audition, take classes, all these things. And then eventually I found SoulCycle and SoulCycle was what kind of led me to LA. They moved me out after three months of teaching in New York and I always wanted to be out in LA. And so from there, Krista and I were connected like a year and a half into me living there. Mm -hmm. But that life of being a SoulCycle instructor, it was amazing. And a whole other level of exhausting. Yeah, I was teaching I three classes a day, you know, three? five or six mm-hmm. days a week. And my body was just in this like constant state of exhaustion, fight or flight, dehydration. Your voice. My voice was suffering. Were you injured a lot too? Surprisingly, no. Well, the only thing that I would experience on a regular basis was like pulling my neck a uh-huh. lot because uh-huh. I was always like kind of on the bike in this position <laughs> and I would like whip my hair. Yeah, and I would pull my neck. the whole performance, the whole vibe, and your skin. Like, think about that. You're sweating like that three hours a day, mm-hmm. and the music's like, and you're just like yeah. pumping. It's, I cannot think even, about your hormones. I yeah. just, I'm like, my hormones were so off. <laughs> it was crazy. I was like holding on to weight in a weird way, even yeah. though I was working out 18 hours a week. This is the thing, though, that like people don't yes. even understand, right? That like you hear about just these girls who aren't even, by the way, Soul Cycle instructors, mm-hmm. and they're just going out there doing the three to four spin classes, like two hours running, whatever. And then they're like, oh, but like I'm holding on to the weight. And I'm like, "Mm, it's your hormones and no one talks about it. So it's really interesting that you had that firsthand experience. Yeah, your body's completely changed. Completely changed. It's crazy. Like since doing SoulCycle that many more classes, you'd be like, like your body's completely changed. Yeah. I think it was, you know, the stress on the, you don't realize yes. that exercise is stress on it's the body. Cortisol. Well, of course it is. So it's yeah. healthy to a certain point. Yeah. But then when you kind of push past that like healthy level, then it's putting extra stress on the body, obviously upping your cortisol, your adrenals are completely yeah. shot. Just shot to hell. Yeah. So I was holding on to weight. My skin was just so wild and crazy. My energy levels were whack. And if I look back on like, 
pictures of myself from that time, I look older. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's so interesting. And now like my workouts are like light Pilates and walking and yoga. And it makes such a difference. It's such a difference. It is bananas. Like, I I mean, I know that this is not what the interview is about, but like at the same time, like it is a really important conversation because I had even Megan Roop on the podcast and Mm -hmm. she was saying like, and it's just such an interesting takeaway. She's like, my body had never looked better than 2020 when I was doing like so much less working out than I had. And she's like, people need to do less so that they can show up more consistently and with like more joy, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's like a really important takeaway. It's part of our culture that we're always like more is better. You know, you think more is better. We're like, okay, so if I do four, five is better. If I do, you know, this many, that money's better. And I even got stuck in that because I auditioned for Soul Cycle and I was doing like seven or eight classes a week. I was doing other things because I wanted to be an instructor. And I was like, my hormones were completely fucked. Mm-hmm. I was like not nourishing my body really well. And it just like completely rebounds. And I think it was a phase two in our culture where we're like, everyone became obsessed with classes because class pass came on the scene, yeah. which is the fucking best. I mm-hmm. use it all the time. Love payout. But it's like, we realized we could do all these things and it became exciting. It became social. And so we just all started working out all the freaking time. Also, I have to say for for me, for I want to say like a year and a half in my life, okay? And like Nish and I talk about this a lot, but like my obsession with like working out got to a degree that was like actually quite unhealthy for my relationship. Mm -hmm. I would never hang out with him on a weekend because I was like, I have to be up at 5.30 to get to my 6.30 class. And I like actually just can't. And he's like, I never see my girlfriend, you know, because like back then he was working his full-time job and I had mine and he'd come back from work and I was like, he'd come back home late or whatever. And then he's like, okay, like, let's go get dinner and like hang out with friends. And I was like, I'm going to bed. Yeah. Yeah, It's almost a control thing. And it's one of those things where it's like, if I do this is the only way that I will love myself because mm-hmm. my body will then look a certain way. Yeah. And that's yeah. when we get stuck where it's like, if I work out all the time, my body will look like this. I will look a certain way. And like, how can we get out of that trap? Yeah. And it's been beautiful because I do feel like more people are walking, more people are doing totally. Pilates, like mm-hmm. taking it slow like you are now mm-hmm. and realizing how toxic that can be. Yeah. yeah. And like how powerful, like those sorts of like functional movement yes. can also be like the walking my God. Yes. Walking's life. It, it we, was really life. We had a conversation with Kimberly Snyder once and I'll never forget it. You know, you know, oh, those yes, things dude. that people tell you that you'll just never forget. Yes. I get mm-hmm. so excited about them. <laughs> and she told us, I'm going to butcher it, but a high overview was that ideally mm-hmm. as human beings, if we are eating a healthy, balanced diet, that we should only really need to walk in order to be the size and stature that is healthy for us. And that goes on an individual basis. But, Mm -hmm. and I was like, what? Because she would walk two hours every day. The first hour was like- On the phone. On the the phone, texts, Mm -hmm. calls. And then the second hour was quiet. But two hours you're getting in probably- you know, a good amount, seven miles, something like that. Yeah. She's like, I saw her the other day and she's kind of, she also is fluid with it. It's like important to be fluid. But when you travel and you look at cultures, you know, whenever Uh, I travel, I'm like, where's the gym? Where are the classes? Where is that? Why isn't everyone? You're like, they don't, (laughs) no one does it like we do here. No, you're working out all the time, just burning yourself (laughs) out. And for what? Like, what is the end goal for it? And how does it, continue to kind of put us in our masculine, put us in that hustle, put us in that go, go, go. And I think 
you know, I'm hopeful that it's changing. I completely agree with you guys. And like, I think I I do see those changes. I don't know if they've gone mainstream. I think we all kind of live in like a certain area of like the internet and like our our friends and our like creators maybe and people in the podcasting space who are perhaps like a little more ahead of it but I hope that this change that we're seeing with people that we know it kind of like bleeds into like more mainstream as well because Mm -hmm. like women need to kind of like take control of their hormones like be aware that like okay like maybe the way we're approaching workouts isn't necessarily like the right way yes you know Mm -hmm. so you also cycle sync I think yeah. that's another thing oh too. Oh my God, it's a game, game changer. changer. Yeah. I don't do it. but <laughs> So we had Elisa Vidi on and she talks a lot about a lot of the studies around yeah. nutrition and research mm-hmm. and is done on men. So a lot of it isn't actually applicable for women totally. to be doing HIT all the time, to be doing these really intense workouts. So it's like, how can we reclaim our bodies as women and do things that make sense for us, mm-hmm. whether it's cycle syncing where you're not really working out on your period week and you're kind of adjusting your training to the natural rhythms of your body. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so what were you doing, Krista? You wanted to be a soul cycle yeah. instructor, but what were you doing like in your like full-time job full-time or whatever? Job, yeah. So I wanted to be a soul cycle instructor, but more so I wanted to have my purpose. I wanted to have a passion. I wanted to feel like I was here for a reason. And mm-hmm. that's been something that's been like a through line throughout my whole life. You know, I always wanted to feel like I mattered and like I was living with purpose and that I was living in alignment with who I was. I felt like I was someone who, had a unique perspective from a young age and Mm -hmm. I wanted it to feel like I was expressing that in my life. So I followed the normal path. I grew up in a small town and went to a college nearby my house and just got a job. I got any job. I got the first job that took me and it happened to be in management consulting, um, which is super unsexy. It was finance. I was working with finance executives all day. I cannot imagine you you in finance for some reason. (laughs) It was quite the vibe. I actually learned a lot. And then I went from that to digital marketing and then I did events and I was kind of all over the board and I felt really unhappy in all of those jobs. I Mm -hmm. felt really, really unfulfilled. But I didn't know if I was ever going to find my purpose. You know, I just kind of kept trying. But when I moved to New York, I found SoulCycle and I had moved to New York to be with my now husband. So that was my first following my heart was being with him. And then I found SoulCycle and was like, wow, you can be yourself and you can move your body and you can listen to music and you can be in community. I want that. And so I tried to audition. I didn't get the first one, didn't get the second one, but in the process was able to find Lindsay. And, you know, in that feeling of feeling like, I didn't know what I was doing or I thought I wanted this thing and then I didn't want this thing and what was I here for? We started to have really deep, meaningful conversations that eventually became almost 30 and eventually became this like platform where we want people to feel less alone, you know, in their journey, like we felt alone. That is really, really cool. And I love, I think like that's probably why people resonate so deeply with Almost 30 and why it's done well, because you guys didn't show up to the space as these two experts. I think you guys were just figuring it out with your audience. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. It's like for most people, you know, I always have that thing too, where I'm like, you want to show up perfect. You want to show up as if you already are successful, but like, that's how people people really love the relatable. They love watching someone grow. They love someone that feels real to them, that feels authentic. And our first episodes were absolutely wild, like so absurdly unprofessional and ridiculous. And just, (laughs) we didn't make any sense. We weren't even saying words, but we showed up as ourselves and we promised to always be ourselves. And of course that's like oscillated throughout the years. You know, sometimes you feel a little bit more precious with who you are, but we always promise to just be really honest. And I think that's what's been, what's made us successful. 
Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411 and sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand, always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to me about the concept of finding your purpose because I have a lot of listeners and like, you know, we, we I've, I've spoken to this about to this with them, like on several occasions where people are like, well, how did you find your purpose? And I think it's really interesting to have conversations with other people who are, you know, in, in most people's eyes, you guys are extremely successful. So, you know, starting from that point where you didn't know what your purpose was, how did you arrive to where you are today? And also like, what are any like tangible tips you can give our audience? Yeah, this one's such an interesting one. We talk about it quite often and get asked about it. And I think what I've realized about purpose is that there's such a focus on doing something that you feel is your purpose. And I think what you first have to do is like come home to yourself Mm -hmm. before you're able to actually feel and connect with things on a purposeful level. And I also believe that you have many purposes in life, you know, and to think that you have one purpose, I think will lead you to a lot of disappointment because you are an ever-changing human being Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who is evolving at all times. And so if something is lighting you up for a period in your life and, and bringing you so much joy and inspiration and connection and all of these things, and then it kind of tapers out, you know, I don't think it's something you can mourn it, but I don't think it's something that should feel like a life ending type situation. I feel like it's just the ending of something and the beginning of another. And, you know, when I say come home to yourself, we've been talking about this with various guests on the podcast. And it's just the idea of having an understanding and a connection with who you really are, Mm -hmm. like on a soul level, like take the labels off, take the the titles, the identities, what you do for a living, you know, what products you make, what show you host, and really stripping it back to like, who are you on a soul level? And, you know, finding this through practices like journaling and meditation and, you know, just simplifying your life. And I think in those moments, I feel like I'm able to connect with the essence Mm -hmm. of my purpose at the moment rather than having like these tangible titles that tell me what my purpose really is. How did you guys kind of identify these practices? Because I know a lot of people just don't know where to start, you know, and were you guys always kind of spiritual, like interested in these practices that help you turn inwards or was it like a cultivation over time? Yeah, I think it was a cultivation over time, you know, especially with our show with doing it, like we are, we have access to, and we talk about all of these practices totally. all the time. So there were years with the pod where we were doing fucking all of them, mm-hmm. you know? And I remember one time I was like, 
leaving a cryotherapy appointment, going to like a fucking sauna appointment, <laughs> going to whatever. And I was going to all these appointments and I was so stressed because I was late, LA traffic. And I'm like, my goal is to feel better, but I feel worse because I'm doing all of these things. You know, I'm like, what are you doing? Like you want to be stress-free. You want to be happy. And you're stressing yourself out trying to do all the things. Mm-hmm. So stripping it down and figuring out what works for you is most important. For me, you know, my journey started with meditation and yeah. it actually started with The Secret, the book, which is kind of like whack. Same. Okay. Mm-hmm. That it, was the first one I ever read. It's a good entry level spirituality. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, it's powerful. So that was my first book and it worked in my life. And then it was meditation and then I stopped drinking and then that really snowballed with everything. But this is over, you know, the past years and it's really choosing yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's choosing yourself again and again. I had to choose myself when I left my job. I have to choose myself when I'm not drinking. I had to choose myself when I stopped doing like recreational drugs, all that kind of stuff. And you just continue to to do what feels good and choose yourself with all of them. So for anyone listening, I suggest you try all the things, come at it with a curious and playful heart. Don't take anything too seriously and just drop whatever doesn't work for you. Float tanks do not fucking work for me. I literally hate them. I think it's torture and it smells and it's so gross, but some people love them. That's amazing. It doesn't work for me. So I just kind of let it go. I'm like, you know what? There's other things for me. So figure out what works for you and then just like rock with it. Any journaling practices that you guys really love? Because I'm, yeah. I, I'm fucking love journaling. Oh, yeah, you're a good journaler, manifester. Yes. With it. So yes. What's I, your practice? Oh my God. I toggle between so many, but I will share one because I feel like it was just so useful specifically today. Sometimes when I'm anxious, I'll like talk to myself like I'm another person. Like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk to myself like I'm my friend. That's how you're you know? Yeah. And so like you guys know, but like I'm getting breast reduction tomorrow, right? So by the time this comes out, I'd have already gotten it. But Mm -hmm. I woke up this morning, like last night, I finally like it hit me and I was like anxious. And this morning I woke up anxious. And so I just did this like long ass entry where I was like, Sif, like, why are you worried? And then like letting myself talk to myself about why I was worried and then like rationalizing why that wasn't something I needed to be worried about. And like, kind of like, ping-ponging back and forth with myself. But I feel like that's really powerful at a time where maybe you're feeling vulnerable or like anxious or just like worried. I find that that's like a really, really good practice. Mm, And like, sometimes I'll do it with myself, like just in my mind, like in meditation, like if I'm just like freaking out over something stupid or like something bad has happened during the day, like helps you talk yourself off a ledge, you know? Yes. Yes. I love soul journaling. And I learned this from Elisa Romeo, who wrote Meet Your Soul. Mm -hmm. And it's a practice of, you know, dropping in. So perhaps meditating for a few minutes before and connecting with your soul. So like your higher Mm -hmm. self. And then from this meditation, putting pen to paper and writing a question, addressing your soul and writing a question to your soul. And then literally just putting the pen to paper and just going. And you know the difference between like your mind being like taking control and just kind of a soul. And there is a letting go and kind of it's like a resituation behind the energy of the mind where Mm -hmm. the mind's going to go, but we just kind of like lift it up a little bit and then just go and you'll be so surprised at what comes through. Often I'll just look at the page and be like, wow, that's very insightful and very true and very wise. And it's just a beautiful practice to connect you with mm-hmm. that with mm-hmm. that part. And it's often what I already know yeah. deep, deep, deep down 
under the anxiety, the fear, the stories. And it's always such a relief. I love that practice. It's very similar. Yeah, yeah. that's like your highest self. It's funny, actually, when I'm journaling, sometimes I'll be like, hi, haha. Like I like laugh at myself. I'm like, hello, haha. Like that I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah, it's like, 100%. You're just like kind of being silly with yourself, but I dream journal. So I like, Ooh. I'm a Pisces and I'm very like watery in that way. And so dreams are really important to me. I get really powerful messages and symbols and prophecies in my dreams. So every morning, as soon as I wake up, I'll write down every single thing that happened in my dream. And then I'm really able to see like what kind of emotions are under the surface, like what kind of trends I'm seeing, if there's anything I need to take note of. Like I had this dream last night that was very prescriptive. So it's about something very personal, but Mm -hmm. it's very prescriptive. And I was like, oh, that's actually like my soul talking to me. And it was like, there's no ego in the way. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so I highly recommend trying dream journaling if people are interested in connecting more with that like really spiritual, mystical side of themselves. Also on dream journaling, I read this book by Jim Quick. It's called Limitless, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like very rooted in like being a good learner and like, you know, using your brain to its full capacity and all of those really like science-y things, right? And in it is this whole dream journaling practice because oftentimes like you're storing all these great ideas in your subconscious. And if you make it a habit to get up and just write it down, you never know what you're going to uncover. And like, sometimes I'll like problem solve in my dream. Like it's really Mm -hmm. weird. And so when I get up, like I journal first thing in the morning, like I'll just like note that down, you know? So it's, do you like wake up and you just turn on the side light and like write? Yeah. I just like go straight to my thing and just dream and And it actually helps you recall your dreams so much more. So people are dreaming all night long. Mm -hmm. This is something that's just happening. But what people miss is they are unable to recall their dreams. So it helps you with dream recall. So it's like a really powerful thing. And then you can also like ask your guides or support team, like, hey, in my dreams tonight, tell me about this situation. Mm -hmm. Help me work through this situation. And it's just, it's cool. Like, I think there's such an interest in spirituality and magic and all these things. And that's like a perfect way to experience it. Yeah, yeah. What are dreams? Like mm-hmm. what's happening? I'm totally with you. <laughs> you and know? it's like everyone has access to it. You yes. know, like you can, anyone can journal about yes. their dreams and yes. you'll, you'll We're like. We're all about the free yeah. and like the easy things. And that was one thing from our, you know, journey in podcasting. Like we were mostly relationships. Then we went to health and wellness and now we're mostly spirituality. But it's like, how can we make everything accessible for people so it's something that they can do? And it's not like an LA thing where we only have access to it here. We're only able to do it here. Dream journaling's free. Journaling's Mm -hmm. free. Like a lot of stuff that we want to recommend is free because that's what can make impact. I want to talk about following your path despite kind of any pushback or like confusion from people you know, because I think that a really common thing is that people don't necessarily or like they're like ashamed or scared to follow what they want to do because they're looking for outside validation. Now, I'm sure when you guys started podcasting, it wasn't what it is today. It's not this like, it wasn't this like sexy thing that like, Mm -hmm. I'm a podcaster, rock star. Like, (laughs) so how did you guys go about kind of pursuing that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good sign if you are pursuing something and people are kind of like, I am okay or or I don't get it Mm -hmm. or you know you're getting all of these kind of side eyes especially from like an older generation right which was you know my experience when we started a podcast it's like oh what's that I still get questions from like family members like older family members that are like are you still doing that (laughs) the the radio thing you know how do you 
how do you make money doing that? You know, it's hilarious. Yes. Like six, six years in yes. you know, full-time business. Like, so I actually think it's a really good sign. So if you're starting something and you're getting like some, some doubts from people and, and that feeling, I think it's good. So hold your pose. But I think for us, or for me, I'll speak from my experience. When something lights me up, I don't care. I don't care truly what people think. And I've always been like that. And sometimes to a fault, but I really, I really don't care. Mm -hmm. So if it's something that's bringing me joy, energy, if I feel creative and connected, then I'm going to follow it. And then if it doesn't, I have to, you know, I have to move on, but it's, it's actually something that fuels me when people don't get what I'm doing, take that outside of career. And sometimes I have a hard time with that, but when it comes to career, I've always kind of done my own thing and it's been like off the beaten path and my friends have never understood what I've, you know, done professionally, but it kind of fuels me because I, I get it. I'm, and that's like kind of all I need. Like I'm, your little secret. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. But also I think from if we're like getting like even more technical about it, right? Like oftentimes it's like the really successful businesses or people, they're doing something that other people haven't noticed yet. Yes. And so they have that, like they're contrarian enough to have stumbled upon something that's going to blow up, right? Yes. So I think that having that conviction in yourself, even when everyone else doesn't see it, that's actually fine because mm-hmm. when it's the next big thing, not yes. everyone will see it. I remember this tweet. <laughs> Thank you, Twitter. And someone was like, if everyone understands what you're doing, you're too late. For sure. And I'm like, damn, that is the mm-hmm. truth. Because, you know, when you're doing these things that are paradigm shifting, no one will get what you're doing. No one will understand. And that's the risk that you take. And I think there's like the challenge or what we really need to work with with that is like, are you doing this for your ego or are you doing this for your soul? Mm-hmm. And I've done stuff for my ego. Like I've completely done that. But when you do something for your soul, you're going to do it anyway. And we've had so much feedback from family, friends, like we've talked about things we shouldn't have talked about. You know, you get feedback just doing your thing and it's never deterred me. Like even in our hardest times, we've never felt like this was something we wanted to walk away from because it feels so soul aligned for us. So I had to really peel that back from like, if you are someone that wants to create something or wants to do something and you feel like you're going to get feedback from your family or friends, like you have to check in, you know, if that is deterring you because you're doing it because you're looking for validation from people. In our social media world, most of the things that people want to do is either TikTok or YouTube or podcast or all these things. So it's so validation aligned that it's hard to pull back and be like, is this really for me and my soul? Mm-hmm. I love that. I think it's really beautiful. Were you were you guys both always like this kind of like ready to do whatever off the beaten path? Like, mm. was it something that you guys always had confidence enough to mm. to do? I feel like I did, but I think that's kind of, that is linked to my performance background mm. where like, yeah. you know, when I was living in New York before, before I moved to LA, like, you know, friends and I would like start a web series, like no budget, no guaranteed that I would make money or at all, but just always down to like do creative projects mm-hmm. and never really thinking about, is this weird? I'm like, oh, this sounds fun. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I've always had that in me, you know, like just as like that weird theater. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like confidence in that gets built over time too. You know, I Mm -hmm. think for anyone listening that you do small actions that lead up to the big actions that build confidence over time. You know, Lindsay and I with the show, we recorded for seven months on our closet floors before we put out a terrible episode as our first episode. And so it wasn't like we were like 
we're confident enough to do a podcast that reaches millions of people every day, whatever. It's like, <laughs> no, you're like, we're confident enough to buy the equipment. We're confident enough to totally. schedule a time to meet. We're confident enough to practice this thing and do this thing. So it happens in the tiny actions and moments. So I've been someone that's kind of always a rebel, but it took my whole life of preparing and being you know, cultivating this sense of like, okay, I'm going to follow my heart. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For anyone who is wanting to start a podcast or kind of doesn't even know what goes into it, talk to us about like starting one. And what do you think people can do to cultivate a strong community? Because you guys have, let me tell you, the best (laughs) community is like, you guys are real community builders. It is phenomenal what you've done. So we love them. Share our, share your tips. Yeah. Podcasting is not for the fan of heart. I mean, you know, it's Mm. a lot of, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of work. And I think to, to grow a show and to build trust with an audience, you have to be consistent. You have to be, yeah, consistent, honest, and it takes a lot of preparation, you know, to create quality content. You know, I think for us, like we want to provide value every time we hop on the mic. So it's not just like, let's catch up. What's up, bitch? Mm -hmm. That's my dream. (laughs) I I wish I liked myself enough to be like, hey, just what's up? Just roll on. (laughs) It's like to be like, this is valuable. (laughs) It's a lot of prep, you know, that you don't, normally think about, you know, everything that Chris and I do outside of the podcast usually supports us in podcasting, whether it's therapy, mm-hmm. it's classes, it's healing, it's all the, all these well, things. Well, it's not just, you don't just fucking show up to the Yo, mic and it's yeah. a great show. Like yes. there's, there's a so lot many. that goes into it. Mm-hmm. But we have a team now, you know, but when we first started out, I mean, I started to edit the show. Then we hired someone that I knew, you know, part-time to edit the show, you know, we've really done every part of this process and gotten to know every part of the process, Mm -hmm. which I think helps us now as leaders of a team who handle those parts of the process so that we understand like what it takes. But we hired early on, you know, I know that's not a luxury for everyone, but we hired early on as a risk, it was a risk, you know, but we knew that we wanted to remain in our genius and like have people who were better at those things do those things. So smart. And I think having the full-time jobs was key. So we had full-time jobs. Uh, yeah, we need to key. talk about this yes. because uh, there is this whole thing that like, let me quit my job and go pursue this thing. Talk to me I fell about- for that. I did mm-hmm. that. So I, I was working at this job that was in New York and it was doing events, like international events. And I was like, and at that time I thought I wanted to be a blogger and a soul cycle instructor. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to quit. I need to dedicate this. I need to tell the universe that I want to do this by quitting. I quit. I got in like a bunch of debt. I didn't have any plan. I wasn't making the money enough to like support myself. And it was like after eight months of like being in debt and not really knowing what to do, I started to serve. I babysat. I did all these odds and ends jobs. I was like catering, just doing all the things. Mm -hmm. And I was spending so much time working. I was spending more time than ever working, making less than ever. I was like, you know what? I think I have to go back to the corporate world. So went back to the corporate world. Then we worked for two years. I worked at that job for two years while we built the business. And then I was able to like actually quit and it made sense. I had enough savings for six months. I had enough revenue coming in for the business for a good amount of time. And it was like, it was like little kid where you're like, I want to do this. I'm going to do it. And you just kind of 
don't plan or strategize. And that's the whole, that's what's so important. It's like you can manifest and you can do all these things, but you also need to do things in the actual world Mm -hmm. and like plan for what you want. So we were able to really make a plan with quitting, but it's not, it's not easy. I mean, we were working, we were on the phone on my way to work. I would work from home as much as possible. We would do interviews. We were on tour during this time. So I had to take every single PTO day to go on tour. Yes. Mm. It was wild. I would run from class. My job hated me. They fucking hated me. Mm -hmm. Like literally I was on like a plan. (laughs) Like I was on like a performance plan because I was fully focused on almost 30. I remember one time they were like, okay, so we have this like 90 day plan we want to get you on. And I told my husband, I'm like, so I just, I was like, I'm on this like 90 day plan. He's like, you're on a PIP. It's called a performance improvement plan. I was like, yes. He's like, that's not good. And I'm like, what? I like didn't even really know. You're like, I'm on a plan. I don't care about me. I was like, clarity. I love it. (laughs) So it was like a lot of dedication. It wasn't healthy. You know, I wasn't in my best, most vibrant self, but we were so driven and we wanted to make this thing work. And so for anyone that's working full time and doing their hustle on the side, I totally feel you. I know it's not a place where you're like, I can rest and I can relax and I can be in my, be in my, you know, beautiful juiciness. But if you do it for a certain amount of time and you do it really smart, then you could hopefully take it full time. When was the tipping point for you to quit your jobs and pursue this full time? Like, was there like a specific point where you were like, shit, like time to go? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was about two years in for you. And I think two and a half years in for me, for me, it was, just knowing that like the time I was taking off to go on tour, cause I was teaching soul cycle at the mm-hmm. time. And like, if I don't work, I don't get paid. Yeah. So I was taking off a ton of time to go on tour and they were getting a little bit frustrated and I was just getting exhausted. But you know, I had created a little bit of a nest egg, nothing crazy, but a little bit of a nest egg as a cushion. You know, we were making a good amount of money through almost 30 at the time to support us. But still, I was like, I don't want to have to change my lifestyle in order to go full time with almost 30. So let me just have a little bit of a, a cushion. And, you know, there was that leap of faith. I think like I definitely had that feeling. I I felt prepared and I Mm -hmm. felt good about it, but I was like, okay, this feels like really big. You know, Mm -hmm. I am going all in on this. And I was really, I think I was ready for the energy to be, to feel a bit more balanced mm-hmm. again. You know, mm-hmm. I was exerting so much with Soul Cycle, and then I was exerting so much with Almost 30 and I just felt like I wasn't showing up the best I could for either of them. So I was excited to just kind of like settle in and like refocus my energy to Almost 30 and see how that felt. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that life, it, like there's like seasons, right? Yeah. And I think that you can do so much for like, a sprint yes. of time, yes. if you mm-hmm. will, you know, but after a while, like it just gets a lot and it can lead to burnout. So yes. like recognizing when that is for yourself yes. is yeah. also being like, you just have to be cognizant of that too. Yeah. You can't do it forever. And being honest with yourself, like, is this working? Yeah. You know, for me, I was doing blogging and I did some other things and it's like, is it like being honest with myself? Like, is this working? Mm-hmm. Is this fulfilling me? Would I do this if I didn't get paid? Yeah. You know, that that's another thing too with Such the podcast. Such an important question. Like, I would do it if I wasn't paid. We were doing it for, you know, over a year and a half, maybe a year not being paid and I still would do it. So how can you make it something that's sustainable for you? How can you support yourself in your life during the process while you're building? But it's hard, man. I feel for women, like, you know, we raise the kids. We're like the energetic you know, temperature for relationships with family, with friends. We have jobs, we have side hustles. We have all of these things that really just like fill our lives up. So 
just being mindful of the whole thing. You guys are always creating. Mm -hmm. How do you not get unmotivated? Or if you are in a place of demotivation, unmotivated, what the fuck is the word? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. What do you do to come out of that? Sometimes I have to let myself be unmotivated. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like, let me, let me sit back Mm -hmm. and like lean into it. Cause there's usually a reason why I need to not push or force whenever I'm forcing something. I mean, even just in like if I'm posting on Instagram and I feel like I'm really having a hard time thinking of a caption or what to post today, I'm not going to post. You know what I mean? It's like feeling like, oh, I'm not inspired. I'm feeling unmotivated. It's usually for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so that's usually my cue to rest. That's usually my cue to take take myself to an activity if I feel like doing an activity that is less about producing something for others and more just about the joy of a process. So that might be cooking for me lately is like, I'm doing new recipes. I'm just like enjoying like making food and like sharing it with my fiance. And just like that feels creative to me. It feels fulfilling. And after that, it's like, it gives you a little juice. You're like, oh, okay. Like there's an aspect of myself that I was kind of denying. Mm -hmm. And then she's now at the table And then I feel revived, a little bit more creative. So first of all, don't shame yourself Mm -hmm. for being unmotivated. It happens. You probably should rest. You probably should do something completely different Mm -hmm. and just allow aspects of yourself maybe that you've been, you know, just telling to take a walk, to come back and like play Mm -hmm. and be with you. Yeah. And I feel like with exactly. And I feel like with so much of it, it's like, if you're going to use that to like hate yourself or be mean to yourself, that's not the way, you know, so much with inspiration. It's like, I'm not inspired. I'm not feeling, you know, motivated. I'm not feeling these things. Like what's the point of it all? If you're going to hate yourself through the process. And I feel like I'm uninspired all the time, you know, but often I find myself uninspired when I'm in a routine, I'm doing the same things. I'm on social media too much. Social media doesn't inspire me. I'm like having these expectations for myself to be a robot and be working all the time and be producing all the time. And I'm actually sustaining or supporting myself in real life enough, but it's real. And I think like Lindsay said, it's like allowing yourself to ebb and flow. And then we're so lucky that we have have each other Mm -hmm. that if one of us is like feeling uninspired, one of us isn't, we can kind of like balance each other. Mm -hmm. I love that. So you guys are very, very good friends. Mm-hmm. And you also work together. How does that dynamic work? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, take, it takes work, you yeah. know? And I think the first few years of Almost 30, we kind, you know, we met very close to the start of Almost 30. So we've really built our friendship along with building the business. And I think those lines can blur and you can focus more on the business because it feels more urgent to grow that and to build that. But I think what we realized a few years in was that this is not sustainable and we must pour into our relationship like as the priority. And building a business is like, you know, we don't always recommend it for friends Mm -hmm. because it's, again, just like podcasting, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, you have to be incredibly real on like a personal growth level when you're building a business as well. So For example, you know, when we were building Almost 30 very early on, I was so consumed with this idea that like, I don't provide enough value. Like Krista Mm. was so experienced in, from like her corporate experience, building a business, putting, 
systems in place and all of these things. And I was like, I've never been in a corporate environment in my entire life. Like, I don't know what this is. Like, I feel so disorganized. I feel just not valuable. And that wasn't true, right? But I had that story in my head and it really affected our dynamic because I was so like, oh my God, should I do more? Like, what can I do? And I really wasn't remaining in my own genius and Mm -hmm. owning my strengths Mm -hmm. and value. So in that way, I was like creating a lot of anxious energy around what we were doing. But, you know, for us, it's been so important to have therapy, individual therapy, therapy together, coaches. We're always on that healing kick and just making sure that we are tending to our spirit and spirit of almost 30, like our connection. You know, we've spent many lives together and it's, it's, if we are not good, the business is not good. Mm-hmm. It's like same with your husband. Yeah. I, I was going to say like marriage. it it really, it, mm-hmm. that's what it feels like. And I think that like, as you you were saying certain things that like really does resonate because, you know, there are times where it's like, we, all we do is talk about the business and like, I'm much more sensitive to it. And I remember there was like a period of like three to four weeks. We So we're like very strict about date night. We'll always have like one date night no matter what. But there was like a period of like three to four weeks where things were just incredibly busy and we we didn't make time mm. for that. And I was like, Nish, like I, I can't talk about work with you anymore. Like it's just like, it's, we can't continue on like this. And then we just like took some time and we went away for a bit and it was so therapeutic, but it's, you know, I think that if a partnership doesn't thrive, then the business doesn't thrive. Mm-hmm. I feel like it just, one cannot exist without the other. Yeah. And you just get caught up in that, you know, where you're just like only supporting one part of your identity or life and work can just so easily happen to that. But yeah, I think people look at it and they're like, wow, that'd be so amazing. You know, you can like travel with your best friend and it is the best, but it's so much of like the trust. It's like money, totally. like legal stuff, like your future, your dreams, like how you manage what they do for the business, what you do for the business. So it's like not easy to do. You know, I, I, there's a lot of reasons why there have been female businesses run by partners that doesn't work. And I'm so grateful that ours is so healthy and just feels so good. Do you guys have like specific parts of um, the business that you take care of? Like, are you guys complimentary? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it just naturally, naturally happened. I think from the get, Krista has been more on the business side, partnership side and more than that. But, and then I will handle like production, managing post-production. That's kind of where my experience lies as far as like performance and editing and all Mm -hmm. these Mm -hmm. different things. So that's kind of like the general split, but you know, we're in a position now where, you know, we we have the team that really helps support that and we're able to be a bit more creative yeah. and vision for the brand and really come back to like nurturing the pod, you know, and like creating content that we really love and that resonates with us and our audience. And, you know, it's almost like you go so far and so wide and then you simplify at a certain point. And yeah, it feels it feels really good. Yeah. And that was one thing like my corporate jobs, you know, I was so like ashamed of them, like not ashamed, but I was just like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, doesn't feel like me. It didn't feel like my energy or my, my goal in life, you know, to be in that setting. And I'm so grateful for all those jobs. Like they helped me so much understand so much of what we do now in business. And I always think about that with you know, our girls listening. It's like, sometimes you can be in that corporate job and you're like, this can't be all for me. You know, this can't be the thing, but I always just want them to know that like what you're learning in that job and even what what you learned in SoulCycle, what you learned in any job is supporting you in your next step Mm -hmm. and your next 
role in life. And so if you can be as present as possible with the process, learn everything you can, try and have gratitude for what you have in front of you, it's really, really powerful. It is like what you just said, it is, I cannot stress the importance of this because sometimes when we when we're in our life, right, whatever stage we're in, sometimes it's not ideal. It doesn't feel aligned. But then you look back and you're like, oh, like that path really made sense. And like, I look at myself and Nish, for example, right? We have very different backgrounds, but my God, if I didn't have Nish who comes from corporate tech, I mean, I don't know if Mm. I would have been able to build array with just my creativity, you know, because I'm like you, I'd never really been in a corporate setting. And fuck, you need that. You like actually need that. Like it can't just be like just one faceted, you know? Mm -hmm. So I remember before the podcast, you know, when I was auditioning for Soul Cycle. So I had my first audition. I went up, it's like a process. You apply to audition, you audition, then they interview you. It's like a whole thing. And I went up and I got on the stage with the bike and I got the microphone on and I like froze. Like the microphone freaked me out. Hearing my voice on a microphone freaked me out. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know what? I need to get vocal lessons. I need to feel better on a microphone for my soul psych audition. And what I didn't realize was that I wasn't doing vocal lessons to be better on the microphone for soul cycle. I was doing it for almost 30 and for our career. And it's so funny how that happens. You know, all these things, just everything is working out for you if you can continue on the path and be present for the process. Oh my God, I love that. That's such a beautiful story. Like very, very full circle, my yes. goodness. I want to end the show with a quick rapid fire. Perfect. So <laughs> the first one is, what is a big dream you had which never worked out? Oh my God. Oh my God, I wanted to be like, I think it was like, I was having like a sex in the city moment. (laughs) And I wanted to be like in a boardroom with heels on. Like I wanted to be like a vice president of like a huge company for a long time. Like I was like, I want to be like a boss lady, like with my Prada bag and my like pointy toe shoes. That was like a dream I had. Um, I think the Broadway thing. Yeah. That like, I just really, it's a love. It's a like singing, acting, performing. So yeah, and it just, yeah, wasn't in the cards. This is a different kind of performing though, I will say. This is a different kind of boss lady. That's true. I know. I was like, I still am the CEO vibe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you totally are. But no pointy toe shoes ever. What is one book that you recommend our listeners read? I don't know why this name is coming to my consciousness. It's called Women, Food, and God. It's by Janine Roth. And for anyone that struggles with body image issues or eating disorders or body dysmorphia or anything related to the body and food, it's such a powerful book. And it's really just pulling apart the ways in which that we punish ourselves with food or restriction or the way that we put all of our value on our weight and how we look rather than like the capacity of our soul and the beauty of our soul. So Janine Roth, Women, Food, and God is just one of the best and helped me heal a lot of my body issues. Amazing. I mentioned it earlier, but Meet Your Soul by Elisa Romeo was a really powerful book for me. It's just, you know, walking you back to your soul and just cultivating that relationship because it just affects every other relationship that you have. And then also we just interviewed Vanessa Van Edwards recently in her book, Cues. Super fascinating. And I, I feel like these are things that we kind of overlook or don't realize are so powerful, which are body language, facial expressions, vocal tone, all of these things that really influence 
our interactions and connections and how we can just modify so that we are able to be ourselves and really connect authentically with people. Oh my God, I'm, I'm buying all these books. Yes. They're so good. So, it's good. Okay, I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you can give to people about achieving their big dreams? I think it's always like how you do the work is the work. So if you're hating yourself along the way, if you're burning out, if you're stressed out, if you are abandoning yourself, if you are prioritizing this dream over your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, then what's the point? You know, we always have these big goals and these dreams. And it's so funny because when we achieve them, we're like, okay, anyways, what's the next goal? We're humans. Like we are goal-oriented creatures. So how can you love the entire process? Because the process really is the point. Mm-hmm. And I would just say that, you know, be be flexible about how that dream comes to life in this reality. It's like you could have a big dream to be on Broadway. And then now I'm able to reach more people than I ever could on one stage. And I'm also being myself and I'm not, you know, rehearsing someone else's script. It's like, I think the dream can show up in a different way. So yeah, just be be flexible about and just open to how it arrives for you in your life. I love that. You guys, please come back. <laughs> you guys have been incredible. Thanks, yes. Tell everyone where they can find you. Yes. Almost 30, wherever you listen to podcasts, you don't need to be 30 or anywhere near it. Mm-hmm. And then almost 30 podcasts on Instagram. We're on YouTube as well. Almost30.com. You can find everything for us there. And your personal. Oh yes. I'm, it's Krista, ITS Krista. I'm at Lindsay Simzik. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you guys. Oh yes. Thank listen you. to our episode on your show. Yeah. It yes. was a fun episode. It was so fun. Hey, you guys uh, are like awesome our show. interviewers. Yes. Yay. We so love good. you. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Bye everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week.